foods that are inflammatory for you out Category. of your house and mm-hmm. let's get in some healthy healing foods mm-hmm. and and you know teaching them about like how to store things to keep them good for longer and things like that i mean again like let's be real so many of the little mini services you can offer you could absolutely write an ebook you could create a course you could you know we'll talk about passive income in a minute but they're most of those little tiny services that you feel are not a good use of your time and don't bring in that much money probably could get turned into either a social media post or a resource You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knavel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. It is Jen and I flying solo again this week, and we're really excited. We're going to be digging into some lessons that we both have learned probably the hard way from running service-based businesses, both of us, um, in the past. But before we jump into the episode's content, we are going to tell you what's on our, our, what's happening. What is happening? Yeah. What's happening? Have you seen, there's a, there's an office... Um, I think it's called like office context or something like that on Instagram. I'll link in the show notes for you guys, but there's a a scene where Jim is like looking into the camera and he goes, what is happening and what is happening? <laughs> like really loud. <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. I feel that. I feel that. Um, and that's that. how I'm I feel nuggets, right now. Man. And what is happening, but also, and what is happening? Yeah. Exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> Question mark. After oh, the if you don't watch the office, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You should. And if you didn't you like it just because you watched the first three episodes, you need to make it to the second season. I'm just going to say that right now. You need <laughs> to make it. To, I know the first season, it's not a lot to write home about, but the second season is fantastic. Not a lot to write home about. <laughs> my kiddo, my 10-year-old watches it with my mom because she'll just leave it on while she's in her room and he'll just pop in and watch it with her. And it's to the point where, you know, like Steve Carell does a lot of um, uh, big cartoon movies and like yeah. digital animation movies. And he watched this YouTube compilation video of all of these um, actors doing the voiceovers for these characters he recognizes, you know, for these digital cartoon stuff. And Steve Carell popped up for Despicable Me, and I thought his eyes were going to bug out of his head. He was like, that's, that's, that's Michael. What? Yeah. He was like, that's, what? And I was like, I know it was pretty good, huh? And I'm like, that's a good actor when you can't tell. And he was just like oh my gosh because <laughs> he, he he thinks michael and dwight are the funniest people and i'm just like i feel like we're raising him right like <laughs> you appreciate he's got a sense of humor the yeah. real the nice things in life <laughs> yeah exactly oh but, my goodness but what is what is up what, so what is up so interesting because i was mid-pandemic the, what is up 
yeah mid pandemic i feel like the last time i did a, a true what's up i was just like okay we're doing it <laughs> since then it's just, no like hmm. i think you're not alone in the group of people who are like okay i'm gonna have a routine i gotta have a routine i'm gonna do this to work out i'm gonna do this with my kids i'm gonna do this and this it's all fall apart falling apart by now <laughs> yeah well and it's and it's mm, i am not quick to take the punches or like miss the punches like I feel like they're coming at me and they're hitting me square in the, between the eyes and I'm like what the what <laughs> like I, why didn't I see that coming like what <laughs> and so and I think that just kind of speaks to I, I just really had to put myself almost in like an emotional timeout <laughs> because I was like okay I, since our since our last recording um I was just fighting this so hard I was like no we're not no because I, I, I think subconsciously I knew that it was going to be really hard for me to go through with it. But Paxson, really my 10-year-old, um, he if you haven't, maybe you're new here, um, he has a autoimmune disease called eosinophilic esophagitis disease. Super fun to say 10 times fast. Um, but he, and so consequently, there's just a lot of things that we have to deal with for him. And it's, we've learned that he really just needs a, a full clean out. You know, and I just like several times a year, um, I was on a one time a year flow, but um, and he's getting old enough now. And I'm so proud of him because that is like my only goal in life is to teach him how to read his body and how to intuitively feel how he's doing, how he's feeling. What does he need? And I'm so proud of him because he came to me and was like, um, you know, it's been a week and a half ago and said, I said, you know, when when is the last time I cleansed? And I said, oh, it was in the fall. And he goes. I think I need to do it again. And I was just, I looked at him because we always, um, to help him get through the day, we usually let him buy a video game because it'll keep him from looking at what everybody else is eating. And he gets tired really easily when he's cleansing. And so he kind of needs to stay put. And it's kind of disheartening to be on movie after movie after movie, but at least a game, his brain's in my, like engaged. And so, um, so we splurge a little and let him buy a game. And I looked at him and I was like, you just want to buy a game, don't you? Because I didn't see any symptoms in him. Like I wasn't. And I think looking back on it, I didn't I didn't want to see that. I was just so there's so many other things that my brain was like occupied with. Um, and and he kind of grinned at me and he goes, I mean, it would be nice. And then I kind of just chalked it up as like he just wants a video game. Um, and you know, trying not to feel guilty over that it took me a few days to get over that because after that, about for about the next five to six days, we could just see. Then we, I could really see the physical symptoms in him, and they just got really bad really quick. In a five to six day period, he went from some of the the first symptoms I noticed in him are actually more emotional and behavioral, and those are so easy to miss because everybody should be in flux. Nobody's going to be static all the time, you know? And for him, it's just, he gets really emotional, um, easily and he gets, um, really frustrated and, um, very short fuse and super high highs and low, low lows. And knowing him and knowing Paxton well enough when, when it gets really high highs and low lows, I start to go, but I don't, I'm not pinged to it unless it's in the fall. Cause that's typically when I see that in him. And I'm just, I just wasn't there and I didn't see it until in hindsight, of course. <laughs> and, and, and then the following five to six days, it turned very physical. It went to, 
lots of tummy aches to um, eating really short, like tiny meals. He turned into a little bird, like just little meals. And then um, and then it turned into a lot of sleeping. Like he needed to sleep after every meal. Like he needed to go lay down and he closed his eyes. And I was like, what 10 year old does that after every meal? And um, and then it turned into like finally when I gave in and I went, "Okay, I see. I see. He was just doubling over in pain you know, like walking, bent over, holding his stomach. And I just was like, oh, okay. And so because it's a whole thing, it's a whole day. It takes a whole day and it's very, it's a very strict protocol. It was a protocol given to us by his doctor. And it was, you know, you take this at this time, then you wait an hour and then you have three hours to drink this 32 ounces of liquid. And then you, um, an hour later, you take this. I mean, it's very, I have to be on top of the ball and I have to clock watch all day long and um he gets nauseous every time it's not a fun uh <laughs> you know and i just was i was really avoiding it i really didn't want to do it <laughs> i didn't want it to be i didn't want it to be real and it's finally sunday i was like okay we're going to do this and i was like do you know what game you want and he's like yes zelda <laughs> Like he knew, he was like, and I was like, okay, he knew exactly what he wanted. Yeah, he knew exactly what he wanted, and I was like, okay. And so the next day, I had to venture out because you know I usually have pretty timed trips to leave the house, and I had to venture out on a different time schedule and go get all the supplies. And on Tuesday, Tuesday was the day, and on Sunday, I made, I, I Sunday at dinner, I said, okay, I'll, I'll make it happen. And Monday, I woke up with the most intense amount of anxiety I've had in a long time and it took me by surprise like when I mean it hit me square between the eyes I was just like geez like I (laughs) I didn't expect to feel that level of anxiety around something that we've done before like this isn't new you know Mm -hmm. and yeah it kind of took me by surprise but this kind of thing has to be intuitive anyway because I'm not going to do it to do it I'm going to do it if he needs it like I'm not I'm not going through this whole medically induced cleansing some for fun you know? And so I I don't know, like it just, I wasn't expecting it to be like that. (laughs) But I woke up Monday morning with so much anxiety that I could like barely function. I was like having a hard time, like taking deep breaths. And I was like, I felt like everything was hard. Everything was hard. (laughs) And I sat down to do my mastermind because that's when we meet is Mondays. And I just, we did a quick check-in and I just, came unglued like I just I had I had to I had to let myself go through that because it was it's like a grieving process Mm -hmm. and the insights from those girls in that group just mean the world to me because I was in such a like an intense place that I couldn't see through I couldn't wade through the water like I couldn't see through it and the permission that they helped me see was so important for me that I'll never forget it I mean I I was going through a state where I was physically showing symptoms of feeling unsafe. Mm. Like I was wading through trauma as it is. I think we've all been through something like that during this time where we've either had that, that bandaid being ripped is feels traumatic or something comes up and it feels traumatic. And, um, it was pointed out to me that it's, you know, you're, you're in that, what is it? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Is that how you say it? Maslow? Mm -hmm. And I, I am back down to the foundation, man. I'm back down to like physical safety, employment safety, food, water, rest. Like, I mean, I am at, I had to go back and reevaluate and like protect those things 
So that way I, I wasn't, I wasn't losing it. Like, and the fact that my kid's physical safety was being questioned and that was, you know, that was huge. My husband was laid off from his job. That's huge. You know, making sure we have the supplies we need for people with a lot of really sensitive food needs. It's a big deal during a pandemic when there's a lot of shortages. Like, I mean, there's just so much stuff that was being tested. And then to add on top of it that my kiddo needed this cleanse because typically I like to do it with his doctor and tell him what's going on and keep him posted and things like that. Um, And his doctor moved in February. And so he's no longer at the clinic that we're at, that they have history with. And so I feel a little guy, I was flying blind there and it just, everything felt so out of control. I was just like, ah, like I just... (laughs) And I can talk about it now, and I want to talk about it publicly on this space because I think it's important to know that nobody's got it together right now, and Nor everybody did we is before feeling before this happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can we yes. just say that? Can we be real? And there are things coming up for people that you may not know about, and just be kind and see what you can do to be kind to yourself during this time and give yourself that permission to step back from things if you need to. I mean, I, <laughs> after I got off the mastermind, I voxed Cassie, which is like a voice messaging. And I was in the middle of like, you know, still in the the throes of emotions and was just like, I think I need to take the week off. <laughs> I was just like, I need, I think I need to, I, and it was so hard for me to say that because we had some really great things coming that week that we were ex- excited to chat about and I just couldn't I, I couldn't do that to me or to us in our workflow I needed to be clear-headed I needed to give myself that space and I can't tell you how wonderful it was to know that I was like doing the right thing for me which was stepping back into a place of safety and gardening and canceling appointments I kept a few because you know work life doesn't stop but and, and a lot of really exciting things are happening with my beauty counter business. But I just, I had to step back from some of those things to let myself kind of regroup. And here I am a week later. It's almost two weeks, actually. Um, and I feel stronger and more resilient and peaceful, you know, even though not a whole lot, circumstances have changed. Um, Paxton's doing fantastic. He's all of his symptoms have disappeared. <laughs> so not to say that there are other things that we're watching, but it was just, I don't know. I'm really grateful that I've spent the time that I did in the Enneagram and learning about myself through like the Gretchen Rubin um, work. And I'm starting to look into human design, which is like, oh, whoa, it's a lot. But I'm grateful to have gotten to know myself well enough to be able to not to like to feel like I'm moving forward still or me- feeling like I'm I'm treating myself the best I can you know That's and it's awesome. worked it's it's working like I feel really good and it's only like 10 days later you know whereas I remember feeling emotions like this when he when Paxson first got diagnosed because there's a lot going on during that time and I was having emotional breakdowns every six days five six days but I wasn't giving myself that room you know, so I'm, I'm grateful for all the things that I've learned and moving forward and the people I've surrounded myself with. They get it when I tell them like, this is what's going on. <laughs> I think so much of navigating this period is um, either spending that time to get to know yourself or mm-hmm. 
you know, coming into a place where you are able to, you know, work through all of the work that you've done to get to know yourself Mm -hmm. better and really be able to meet your own needs and others expectations in a way that that nourishes you both it's a Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting time I I feel really privileged very privileged very extremely privileged right now with um all of these different circumstances and to the point where I think sometimes when you're in that place of privilege you don't let yourself feel the trauma that comes with it too you know there's still like what do I have to be upset about yeah exactly um I feel that you know the (laughs) the biggest adjustment that I've had to make is is um you know having a co-worker but we I mean Josh is around but he also is like really respectful of like my recording schedule and when I have coaching calls and we figured out ways to to you know co-work together and he knows I need like quite a bit of space during the day Mm -hmm. um Every once in a while, he'll we'll be sitting across from each other, like on our computers, and he'll start to like tell me about something that hap- is happening in the news or like something, and I'm like, no, 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 this is not an audible. Like, you don't get to just like bark at me or talk to me or whatever, like, you know, while I am, you know, in my in my flow or whatever. And so I tend to like put headphones on and be like, okay, like this is impenetrable. <laughs> Yes, these these are <laughs> my physical representation. I'll start to talk and I just like kind of point to the headphones Tap. and I'm like, I don't, I, sorry, I don't, I don't. <laughs> oh my gosh, and it was just I feel hard that. because I want, mm-hmm. I want to listen. I want to, yeah. you know, I would much rather be doing that than usually what I currently am doing, even though I love my work. But yeah, it's been, yep. that's been an interesting back and forth. And, you know, like we were talking about in previous weeks on the podcast, there's been a lot of really good conversations that have happened out of this that probably would not have otherwise happened. But Mm -hmm. I mean, we're in a position where (laughs) we're oddly making more than we were before. Um, Beauty counter is growing like crazy. I mean, can I just, if you've ever thought about becoming a consultant, whether (laughs) on someone else's team Mm -hmm. or on, you know, our team, like, do it now because it is literally the moment for beauty counter this year and it's and it's kind of blown me away my team has grown by 40 percent in two months holy cow it's holy cow is right (laughs) so dare i say mine's mine but it's 75 (laughs) percent right (laughs) that's what it feels like well and you know anyways so you know business is growing for me and then also josh has actually picked up his normal summer job early because he's got a little more flexibility mm. there as well and they needed some extra help because the you know the industry that he works in is, is busy as well and so wow and then we have less expenses because we're not going out to eat we're not I'm not going to the gym I'm not getting my hair done which if anybody else has figured out that they now have gray hair which they didn't know prior to COVID-19 <laughs> I am with welcome you. I um, have found several gray hairs and oh, um we're becoming friends but i'm just i'm we're becoming it's very new <laughs> we're getting to know and each I'm other i'm not sure how i feel about <laughs> them yet <laughs> oh my gosh and you know i feel like a lot of the the woes that i have are very um uh superficial and you know third world problems sort of a thing or first world problems excuse me and so i but you know there's a there's a pretty generous amount of anxiety that comes with you know, thinking about how this may affect my mom, who is in that kind of demographic that could be impacted by this in a, in a much bigger way. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, so that piece of it is, is really raw for me is that thought process of like losing a parent. 
um, or having her health threatened significantly. So we're still being extremely cautious and, you know, staying home. And frankly, you know, I will say this, like we don't often get political in this space, if ever, (laughs) except when it comes to clean beauty (laughs) and food. (laughs) But, you know, I think if you have the privilege of staying home, I think that's a responsibility that we all have right now. And even Mm -hmm. when the state opens up, I still think that's our responsibility. So um, as best you can, and obviously taking other measures to protect yourself and your family. So I'm not going to get too deep into that, but I feel pretty passionately about it. (sighs) and I think that that collective sigh is something we all need to do that sigh you just had just now I feel that it's a big one so (sighs) we um in lighter and more exciting news we just got a puppy yesterday oh my gosh you guys (laughs) I think I squealed more times this morning seeing that puppy on the video I'm like I don't care who you are puppies are cute Mm -hmm. I told Mm -hmm. I was just telling Josh this morning I was like I think this is gonna grow my Instagram account (laughs) (laughs) just puppies you know just showing up for puppies so Mm -hmm. um there will be some daily puppy porn in that space for sure (laughs) but uh yeah his name is roadie and he is almost i think almost nine weeks and he's a chocolate lab and our current he to those of you who are wondering if our current puppy has now deceived no she's still with us she's just real old she's 10 (laughs) and we wanted to get a puppy during the time where she would still be able to like really train that dog to be a great dog because she is hands down the best dog on the planet and I know everyone is biased when they say that kind of crap about their dog but listen everyone who comes into contact with her is like how do I procure a clone of this dog like we and we so you guys know how good you have and it. we've turned friends who like were not necessarily thinking about getting a dog to being like oh my gosh we have to get a dog and we I have to a get dog. a chocolate lab Whoa. so yeah it was I mean we're just we're in love with the little guy he's super sweet and we got to pick which one because there were two chocolates in the litter they're both males which we kind of thought we wanted a female and that wasn't an option with this particular litter of puppies and we just went with it and he is like super, super chill, but also like rambunctious and little feisty cute, like puppies cute, are. Cute. And little man oh. is getting used to what that navigating the like the nipping and the biting and trying to be like stern when he says no to the puppy. A kid does not know how to be stern at all. Oh He's my like, gosh, no, I bet. No, 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 no. Do like breathy. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> that doesn't work. You have to say nope. <laughs> so we're, That's we're so in puppy parenthood right now with a little one puppy bliss yep and we're taking night shifts and all sorts of things to get this dog used to and i mean it's only been in our house for one night so but he did really good last night so that's exciting oh my and gosh it's nice just... to mix things up with something yeah it's just gonna positive say. and it just brings out all the like happy endorphins because i'm just sitting there petting him and you know he needs like, at, okay. at this like stage they like want a little bit more like cuddle and holding and things like that and they get scared mm-hmm. easy so you're like okay let me just hold you like it's cool that's <laughs> you you need this right i'm yeah. doing it for you <laughs> <laughs> so that's been a blast and i'm just i'm he's so freaking cute so hop on instagram at the northwest kitchen if you want to follow the puppy puppy diaries the puppy puppy story but we're excited i and love it our current pup paisley is like we're calling <laughs> My husband has deemed it the epic betrayal <laughs> of our current dog because she's, I mean, she's been our only dog for 10 years. She's an, she only, know anything. an only child and yeah. she's lived a privileged life. Let's just say that. 
<laughs> well, I think it's really lovely that you guys are being so intentional about when and why and what and I think that's we just really got a lot awesome. of advice from other people mm-hmm. saying, you know, like from people we really trust being like, hey, if your dog is like close to passing and you want another one, like have them be staggered so that they can, you know, learn, learn from that's one another. That's really smart. I know. I didn't even, I, Paisley was my first pup. So, I mean, is my first pup. And so I didn't, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Just didn't even know it was a thing. So didn't here we are. <laughs> I know my kiddos really, 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 really want a dog. And our backyard butts up against like a really long walkway for people. Um, and so we see a lot of people walking because my house is up on like a, a small incline. So I can see the walkway over our fence and there's lots of dogs. Like dogs are living their life right now, I'll tell you. And every time a dog walks by, a dog, look at that dog. <laughs> oh man, they're getting walks. Mm-hmm. They're getting attention. Times a day. They're getting pets all day. I know. It's like a whole, it's a whole thing. I know. Okay, well, let's get into our topic for today. I think let's do it. I'm excited to talk about, so we're, we're talking about service-based businesses today and some lessons that we've learned along the way, but I just want to add like a, a little disclaimer, like if you are experiencing the massive impact of this pandemic on your service-based business, like our heart goes out to you. I know mm-hmm. this is probably a really difficult time for you, even if you're getting unemployment or, you know, you maybe you have a backup plan or, or what have you, but this is, I mean, plan A is, is not working for most service-based businesses right now, unless they're very niche specific in a certain area. And we just, I just want to hold space for that. I have how incredibly crazy this time is. I have really felt the pull just thinking back to my days in my service-based business. I do not run a service-based business anymore. I mean, there are kind of aspects of what I do that are service-based, but not really. There's no, you know, exchange of time for dollars right now. And I love that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's what I when work I for. Did, yeah, I mean, I, I went from being in the food service industry to moving straight into nutrition consultation to what I do now, mainly from my income coming in with Beauty Counter and then slowly building out these other kind of pieces of it. And I just would be, I mean, I would be out of a job if I worked in a restaurant right now. The restaurant mm-hmm. that I worked at, that still I'm still local to that restaurant, is closed until summer. Mm. and they've just kind of decided to close their doors and like reevaluate, I would have no job. I would be on unemployment. And we were living paycheck to paycheck back then when I was working. It's pretty typical for that job. Uh Uh-huh. Very typical for that job, let me say. Um, Even though you make great money, it's cash in and cash out. So it's easy to like Mm -hmm. be like, where did that money go? (laughs) You're like, oh yeah, because I dropped all this cash on something and I have no way to track it. Um, and then, you know, even in nutrition consultation, I think there's an interesting thing happening right now that folks who do have that disposable income may have the space to be able to, um, you know, just lean into an extra area of self-care and self-improvement with getting help from someone who's in the nutrition space. And I think if you're poising your business in that way, you could be really tapping into an interesting market. And probably as Lucia had mentioned on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, you know, ripping off that Band-Aid and seeing, you know, where's the need at? You know, there's this open gaping wound in society. We're all kind of being confronted with our food issues, with our mindset issues, with our body image issues. Because guess what? We see our body all day at home. Like mm-hmm. we're all wearing sweatpants all day. I mean, 
So I think I just, yeah, I just wanted to just touch on that briefly. And, you know, I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned during this time that unfortunately you're probably getting slapped in the face with right now. Right between the eyes. Yeah. (laughs) Building out those other areas of, of passive income, being smart with your time, using this kind of downtime to work on your systems, things like that. I think that's a really smart thing to do right now, which is why we kind of wanted to touch on this. And we've been talking about the hard lessons we've learned in our service-based businesses a lot over the years, the two of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've kind of gone from having a service-based business to moving away from that and then back into it alongside the other things that you're doing. I've come in and And out of it for pretty much my whole aesthetics career. Yes. Yeah. And, and obviously I had it being in the nutrition business as well, um, but have moved out of that successfully. And I'm, I'm very glad to have done that because client work was beautiful and fulfilling and wonderful, but not where I wanted to be forever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about today was just kind of, if you're in that place where maybe you want to launch a service-based business, or grow your service-based business Mm -hmm. and you're in this place of not really doing but kind of stuck in the learning and analysis paralysis for example if you feel like you can't show up on instagram until you take a course on instagram you're wrong no no (laughs) if you feel like you can't you know show up in your service-based business without having some sort of course on how to set up systems or you know, interview or that your client you're properly or quote, whatever it is. Do it wrong. Like that, yes. like that was stuck yeah. in my head for a long time of like, well, <laughs> there's, I'm going to do this wrong if I don't learn more. And yes, that can, you can get stuck there. Well, and you have to, like, you have to get moving and take action right away. And I think, you know, obviously I had my own challenges in my business, but when I, you know, originally set out to, to carve out this space for myself in nutrition and health and wellness, I started my nutrition practice, like my service-based business before I even graduated, like, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't able to see clients one-on-one before I graduated, but I was able to do all sorts of like team events and consults and, you know, talks at CrossFit gyms. And by the time I opened my practice, I had a huge wait list and my practice was full, but what I thought it was going to be, which is what a lot of people are probably bouncing from right now is having like a blog and like a social media presence and then wanting to kind of open a business from there. But it just came out of you. Yeah, maybe you're an NTP who hasn't graduated yet or you just graduated. And so you've been sharing about nutrition. You've been sharing about your lifestyle. You know, maybe you even have an email list already. Maybe not. But you're starting to kind of carve out these different things. And then, you know, jumping from being someone who merely shares to being someone who makes money is that's a hard jump for a lot of people. And so I actually, I didn't get to get into the blogging space. I didn't choose to prioritize that until super recently um, because I had had these other things that were bringing in significant income and it was hard for me to pull time away. And I want you to learn from me, learn from that mistake that I made in that process. But I, you know, if you're stuck in analysis paralysis, I feel like the only way to get out of it is to just go do something leap somewhere <laughs> and we're going to give you some actionable steps for sure um but jen what like i mean yeah, you kind of you mine stepped is a little into different very different i would say yeah like mine started with like the formal education and then it turned into not what and i i went to opening my own room inside a salon right out of school um because there that was what you did or you worked for like a big box and got paid terribly 
like a big box like spa and I just wasn't I wasn't down for getting paid terribly I just was like no no way and I How went old to were you when you graduated 23 okay yeah I was yeah 23 how old am I now yeah 23 <laughs> how old am I now 22 23 I think in there and um I did that for six months and hated it like hated everything about it. I hated being tucked in the back dark corner of this salon and cuz that's typically what it is because you need privacy so you get put in a room with no window. You get shoved in the, you have to like walk amongst all the other um chairs to get to your spot. I mean it just feels so like you're just this little forgotten person in the corner. And mm-hmm. I just I I hated everything about it. Like trying to get my name out there was really hard because at the time I was just doing facials and waxing services and and typically that's kind of a thing you have to build slowly. It's like, you know, word of mouth, customers, that sort of a thing. Um, and I, I did it for six months and the overhead just was too high. I couldn't gain because I was also working still at the time and um, because I couldn't sustain going from I couldn't go to no income, you know. <laughs> and when I did that for six months, I was just looking for anything else that would bring me income in the aesthetic space. I mean, I was looking at you know, working at a makeup counter. I was looking at all these other things and just nothing felt right. And then I got the wonderful opportunity to be trained on lasers. And that's super unusual because there's no, there's one training institute in Nevada (laughs) that does aesthetic laser training certification. But other than that, you have to be trained and it's a catch 22. They want you to be trained before you get there, but you can't get formal training. So you have to just be lucky enough to get let in and trained somewhere. <laughs> hmm. And it depends state by state. This just is how it worked in the state of Oregon. So I was really lucky. I was able to go through um, a certifying program that was through um, a business that was turning into a nationwide med spa. They're no longer around anymore, but I was very, very fortunate to get in and get the training and get started and got into that industry that way and started doing all the service based while being an hourly paid employee. Um, which was kind of an interesting place to be. Um, I learned about how I didn't want to be treated. I learned about what worked for me and what didn't in a very kind of like safe, slow way. Like I could have easily stayed in medical aesthetics for, I'd probably still be there if it wasn't for the need to be home with my kiddo, like with his health needs. Like I, I loved that industry as far as like the treatments go and the patients and in working with them that way. And seeing how the results and yada, yada, yada. But as soon as it no longer worked for me, it was like, then again, it was another, now what? Now what do I do? And I had started building um, professional makeup services for fun before that. And because of my certifications in aesthetics, I was able to start slowly building um, a clientele that was paid, but it was very slow and um, very sparse and thrown out there. I did maybe two weddings a year and like, you know, I did a couple proms and, and then I started, it just kind of snowballed. And then when I needed to step away from the hourly pay as as in the medical aesthetics world, I decided to take it more seriously and hop into, you know, really doing this makeup thing. And it got to the point where I was having to learn the hard way of where my boundaries were of how much time and energy it takes to, be a part of something so big and so emotional for someone because like weddings man man weddings <laughs> oh, emotions are high stakes are high money's it's expensive um you know and you want to do the best you can by your brides and 
their whole bridal party and it just becomes a very emotional thing and I don't know how makeup artists do it where they do like two weddings in a day like I did that once and I was like nah <laughs> like that was that was intense and so I mean I just I I learned a lot about how I didn't want to live my life through that because when I was in the men's spa world I had resigned myself to like this is how it is nine to five like th- this is what you do you put your time in that that but then when I got into the entrepreneurial space of service-based business was when I really started to go, oh, okay, I can't allow that anymore. Like that's just too much. I can't do it. <laughs> but I learned a lot about how to schedule. I learned a lot about um, how to step in and out of different types of services, how to market yourself, what's what's getting you the type of client that you want, what's not, what's, you know, where to spend your efforts and time and where it's working and where it's not and what's paying you and what's just draining you because there's a lot of times there's a big difference, you know, just because you're getting paid a little bit doesn't mean it's worth the pay, you know, so services well, so are tricky many that way. Under- so many people underprice their services. So easy to I do. I mean, <laughs> nearly everyone underprices their services. I agree. And people undervalue what you offer unless you tell them why they need to value what you offer. Or you show you them. Know? That's part of how I was. Yes, was, absolutely. I just... And that's, I mean, that's part of what, how you market yourself on social media and whatever local events that you do. But like, if you don't value yourself enough to charge a price that you're worth, people are also not going to see your worth and your value you're also not going to attract the kind of person that you probably want if you want to charge that like you have to charge that to it because I personally as a consumer now I'm seeing the other side of this because I have expendable income that I didn't have before when I'm purchasing something from someone the one of the most important things is, is how are they valuing themselves because I look at as if they are valuing themselves like this then they've done the work it's worth the investment and I didn't see that before and if you've been in a service-based business before and then you get a service from someone where you know they're underpricing themselves or undervaluing it, you're like, like going on? I don't, I mean, I'm just inherently like go into my coaching and mentoring space. <laughs> I like my hairstylist every time. I'm just like, okay, girl, like, oh, I need to increase your prices. Yeah. I will pay you. So I just tip her like an exorbitant Same. Same. amount or, you know, a, a super a reasonable amount maybe. But, um, can I, can I'm I just say- like, you you need to value yourself more. This is a big problem in the spa salon service based yes, industry. Yes. And especially when you get into smaller towns too. Yes. People think that just because you're in a smaller market that you can't charge what you're worth. And that's often that like, that's the conversation I have with everybody who works service based businesses and like the outskirts of Portland. Mm-hmm. They're literally like, I can't charge that much in this area. And I'm like, bull. Because guess what? I have a friend who does and she makes probably twice as much as you do. <laughs> I know. And she's less stressed. I know. And the thing yep. is, is, is there's all this social like they're shooting all of themselves. It's like it's like mm-hmm. I can't charge that because I will be charging more than the girl in the salon with me next to me. And it it skews what her worth is. And I'm like, why are you worrying about that person next to you? Like when I go get my hair done, I don't care what anybody in the other chairs is paying. I'm mm-hmm. paying for you. I'm paying for your and services. Like, I, I think also, I mean, it, any service-based business where there's an element of creativity involved, mm-hmm. when you get to that upper echelon of pricing, you're able to lean into that creativity, that individualization that that person really wants when they go have that service, but they don't know they need it until they do, you yeah. know? 
Yeah. And I know a lot of the frustrations that come back for like hairstylists and nail techs and, and probably folks in the aesthetic space too, is people don't, you know, they, they, they get a service, they complain about it, you know, or maybe they like, can't, they're not really good at communicating what they want. And then it's frustrating. Like that's not your ideal client. Like yeah. that's a client who's going to spend, you know, 20, $30 on a haircut not 40, 50, 60, a hundred dollars on a haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when you lean into those higher prices, if your budget can allow it, you will get the artistry from that person. Cause and I've just got noticed time. that personally. Yeah. 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 Time for dollars is a thing in the industry. And it's like when those prices go up, it's because they've expanded their time frame to be able to make space for that. Well, and not even that. I mean, just like someone who's more experienced deserves Mm -hmm. more money doing something. But that doesn't mean if you're new to something that you don't, you shouldn't price yourself well. So obviously, I mean, like pricing your services, like that's going to be a completely separate episode because it's so many factors and things to get into. And we're going to bring on an expert to do that. But I will say, um, chances are you're undervaluing yourself. And what I always tell like new nutritional therapists or people like in the aesthetic space that I talk to is like, take what you're charging and double it. And that's a good place to start (laughs) for real. And for real, for real. real. Um, and you know, I think there's a bit like just speaking to the comparison piece too, when it comes to pricing, just like you said, Jen, like you shouldn't necessarily have comparable prices to the other people just because they're in the same office or they have their, you know, if you're looking at what other nutritional therapists charge versus what you're going to charge, what you're going to offer is different, what you're going to, you know, and as long as you are able to communicate why that higher price makes sense through showing value and providing trust for people, they will pay it. I promise. I doubled my prices six times throughout my nutrition practice. Yeah. Because I realized how many times I was like undervalued. Oh my gosh. I charged like nothing in the beginning. It wasn't stupid. Yeah. Right. Oh, I feel you. I feel you. I probably (laughs) barely made anything. It's probably probably why I couldn't afford to stay in the salon space. I, (laughs) and in the beginning I attracted clients who wanted to put in no effort and get six pack abs. And then in the end, I attracted clients who wanted to literally change their lives and positively impact the other people around them. Yes, yes, That's yes. my ideal client. I'm yes, like, yes, yes, or it was at the end. Yeah. So I think that's part of the process too, is you figure out your niche and your, and you know, what services to offer. And, you know, obviously that's very specific to the industry you're in. But I think one thing we need to start thinking about more so is getting a little more creative with the services we offer and mm-hmm. not just, I, there were so many things when I became an NTP, there were so many services that I felt like I had to, or I should because other nutritional therapists were doing it like a grocery store tour. I'm sorry. Mm. I don't want to meet you at the grocery store and walk you through. I just don't. Yeah. I will walk through the grocery store and do a grocery store tour with me on social media. And you can watch that. Yeah, that's but I'm evergreen. not trying to drive across town to meet you at rush hour traffic so that I can take you to your grocery shopping thing. Like that show, I, that's just not forget. something I want to do. Yeah, but guess forget. what? I did One it. run around. Oh, that's I did so it. Hard. I've been there. And it was fine, but it was just like drudgery to me. Pantry cleanouts. I don't want to come to your house and organize your pantry. I have zero, zero. <laughs> that is definitely an organizer's place. Super, but it's super common. And it mm. wasn't necessarily about the organization. It was about the, like, let's get the foods that are inflammatory for you out Category. of your house and mm-hmm. let's get in some healthy healing foods. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, teaching them about like how to store things to keep them good for longer and things like that. I mean, again, like, let's be real. So many of the little mini services you can offer, you could absolutely write an ebook. You could create a course. You could, you know, and we'll talk about passive income in a minute, but 
they're most of those little tiny services that you feel are not a good use of your time and don't bring in that much money probably could get turned into either a social media post or a resource. Yeah. And, and that's, that's something stuff that you can give away for free so that you can charge more mm-hmm. when you go to give your, you know, one-on-one services and things. Podcasting like that. has taught so. me a lot about that. Like I've never had um, a resource because I'm such a talker. I can get so much more it out with uh-huh. my voice than I can through typing. I mean, I, I, I absolutely can do that, but there's just that connection. I love people being able to hear my voice and my tone and things like that, that I finally feel like I have this resource. Like we're, I'm still referring people back to like episode four and episode, <laughs> you know, and what we're on episode. That was a good episode. You guys, if you haven't listened to episode four, I highly recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> Healing dry it skin is. from within. We All haven't done a skincare episode in a hot minute. I know. I feel um, like we. I refer people back to it so 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 much in my skin yeah. consultations. I do now, where it's it's so freeing to be like I say the same thing every time. <laughs> like why? Do, I'm so grateful. I can just send you back to something. I, I wouldn't change what I said. You know. Nope. So it's it's very freeing. That's awesome. I so I mean I know both of us have had a lot of hard lessons in time management and starting our businesses and maintaining them and growing them. Mm -hmm. And so what were some things that kind of stuck out for you, like big lessons wise, as far as time management is concerned? Um, I think that how you kind of practically work through those things. I think for me, it was more about viewing it because time to me is so logical and it's so like linear. But when I started thinking about it as energy blocking like energy oh yeah you know grouping (laughs) of like this is what kind of energy output this task or project takes this is what this kind of energy takes and is it is it helping me or is it draining me because when I started looking at those kind of activities that we typically can easily look at as I'm going to time block for this and time block for that and I'm going to check that off my to-do list that didn't work for me as well as it did as energy blocking like understanding what worked for me that way like skin consultations I absolutely love doing them and they are a huge source of connection and joy for me I love doing them but I have to also actively talk about what kind of energy output that means for me I feel filled up but drained all at the same time it's kind of like going to a hot tub you know you go to a hot tub and you're like i'm so i feel like jello and i'm happy and i'm but i'm I'm gonna sit here yeah i'm gonna sit here and ruminate because my body's like hello that's kind of what skin Mm -hmm. consultations feel like for me and so i'm gonna keep making room for them but i'm not going to make room to like write copy for my website on the same day because that is just draining just draining (laughs) and i you know i when i started seeing clients one-on-one for nutrition I didn't, so I'm not a, a, I'm not an empath. I'm Mm -hmm. of course an empathetic person, but it's not like my inclination is not to feel everyone else's feelings. I'm like, can you, can you stop feeling your feelings, please? Like, (laughs) you know, and I go to the practical side of things. So, I mean, it took, it was quite a long journey for me to like come to that feeling place in a positive way with my clients. But even for someone who's not an empath, Mm -hmm. I did not realize how draining 
one-on-one client work was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're someone who's consuming one-on-one client work from someone who's doing like mindset coaching and informational transfer about food and nutrition or whatever it is to you, like, man, high, high, high value. Mm-hmm. There's so much that goes into those consults. You know, there's obviously the, the knowledge that comes into it. Right. And this is aesthetics is the same thing, Yep. you know, working on, you know, being it, being a hairstylist, like nail tech like you had to go to school to do those things yeah. and then you're constantly improving your techniques the information that you're getting in things are always changing so you're having mm-hmm. to adjust get more training get more information change your technique whatever it is mm-hmm. and so we bring that to the table every time and then on top of it you're intaking someone's personal story yes and and then internalizing that and figuring out how do we navigate through this personal story with them to help them get from point a to point b and mm-hmm. what they want to do and that path is never linear. So then mm-hmm. you're constantly adjusting too. And so there's so much of that client process that feels like a lot. It's a lot of work. And mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons why for me, when you look at it from an energy management standpoint, I'm so glad you said that, Genevieve, because mm-hmm. I, you know, obviously we're going to always kind of go back to Kate Northrup and, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, leaning into tracking your cycle and figuring out what that is so that you can pocket in those tasks that make sense for where you're at and your energy during the month. Um, if you identify as a female or, or have that kind of cycle and it's one of those things that, God, I wish I had known it forever ago. Same. First of all. <laughs> when I, when I learned that it, it, I, I would have been much more efficient and I would have gotten more done and it would have felt yeah. better everything would have well, been and, better. <laughs> and if I'm being honest, I'm not currently like super tracking like all my different cycles or anything like that. But when I'm feeling a ping or something doesn't feel quite right, I can lean more into that intuition and be like, oh, I'm in my follicular phase. That's why that kind of makes lining for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. And so um, I highly recommend kind of uh, you know, see, seeking a little bit more information about yourself in terms of like your cycle and your energy management. But I love that you thought about it from task to task, because mm-hmm. one of the things that I didn't think was going to take a lot of energy for me was writing a blog post, yeah. but it absolutely does. It's like a massive and, amount of copy. <laughs> like, well, and here's the other interesting piece for me right now too, like coaching and mentoring my beauty counter team is my strong space. I was meant to coach. I was meant to mentor. Um, and especially for people who are really trying to like educate others and seek more in their life. And that is where I am gifted. And, you know, that went from initially when it was kind of the minutia of, you know, being a beauty counter consultant and the logistics and the practical side that was more draining for me, mm-hmm. still worthwhile, but still draining for me when they're like asking me to where to find something in their back end office or something. I'm like, oh my gosh, just like Google it. Okay. But when it was, <laughs> <laughs> when it was you know, now we're in this space of like, let's work through our money mindset issues. Mm-hmm. Like, are you valuing yourself? Are you taking care of yourself? What are you doing to share? What kind of impact are you having on the world? Like those conversations I'm here for every day. And so now I get to do a little bit more of that higher level coaching and it's less draining energy wise. And it's not really a service-based business, but there's a service-based aspect of it. Yeah, there's you know, like within scheduling. Those coaching and- calls, scheduling and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, and man, everything that I've learned through my beauty counter business, I wish I had had when I was launching my nutrition practice. Like you guys, if you're a new NTP, like just sign up for beauty counter so that you can have the business knowledge that comes yeah. with it yeah, as you move through and kind of launch your practice. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. But anyways, I, you know, the, the time management piece for me 
and something I really struggle with. And again, like I, I didn't make time for the blog until very recently. It's still a struggle. It's still kind of a mindset and mind F for me to actually be able to prioritize that because I let so many things kind of get in the way. Not to mention COVID-19 just rearing its ugly head right when you're getting in flow. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Um, But here's, you know, but here's the thing, like motherhood has taught me this. Uh, being a human in the world of pandemic has taught me this, but <laughs> you're going to get into a flow and then something is going to disrupt your flow and you're going to have to adjust every time you're going to have to adjust every time. And mm-hmm. this is not, it's not new information. It's just a new thing that you have to adjust to, you know, your kids changing sleep schedule, you're changing nursing schedule with your kids, your um, school schedule from summer to school year, your spouse's job change. Like everything is constantly shifting and changing. We're always having to adjust. And if we aren't coming from a place of flexibility, that stuff is going to rock you to your core. Mm-hmm. But then also this is where like when Lucia was talking about picking those consistent actions and when things change, stick with those base level consistent actions mm-hmm. because that will grow. And so anyways, I, you know, the, the thing that was hard for me and I, I wish I had known when I launched my service-based business was, you know, I wanted my goal was like a cookbook. My goal was to, you know, be able to show up in the space, have a cookbook, own a restaurant. It turns out, guess what? Those goals are still the same for me and they haven't changed over time as to, you know, what I want. It might look a little different now, but I wasn't doing the things that would help me build that part of my business necessarily, you know, specifically mm-hmm. and help me become a better writer and mm-hmm. um, photographer and the skills necessary to write a cookbook in the first place. Even though I have the cooking down, I have the recipes written. I mean, I literally have a book of like 75 recipes already done. And uh, it's, you know, and so it's that translation and getting content out there. But, you know, my my service-based business took off so quickly, I didn't have the time for that. But I, I told myself I didn't have the time for that, but I didn't make time for that. Yeah, which is part of that energy grouping, that energy blocking, you know. mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I highly recommend if you are starting or maintaining your service-based business and you haven't carved out space for those bigger projects, I would would really recommend doing that. And, you know, taking those big projects and breaking them down into really small, actionable steps Mm -hmm. is really important. You know, if you want to have a cookbook one day, then you're going to be needing to work and make time for recipe creation and writing and creating trust in your market, brain dumping, all Mm -hmm. sorts of things. Um, And the first step really is a brain dump, which we'll talk about in a second. But I, you know, you're going to need something, get something done every day that contributes to a bigger project or a bigger goal than what you're currently doing. If you want to grow from what you're currently doing. I highly recommend that. It is not something I did in the beginning. It's something I've been doing over the last year, probably, honestly. And I've owned a business, my own business, for seven years. And man, seven year, seven year itch. I'm ready for the next thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I have a question um, for you while you're, because this kind of yeah, came yeah. up in my brain, is like, why, why would you want to create a book? And why wouldn't, like, what led you to want to do something that was other than just a service that, because I felt this, it was just, I don't know, is this this intuitive piece of me that didn't want to make money just by trading my time for dollars? Like, that started to feel very one-sided, one-dimensional to me. Well, when you have a service-based business and you're trading your time for dollars, you have a very limited impact. You mm-hmm. have a very limited reach. And Mm -hmm. if you want to reach and help more people, 
you're going to need to create a resource that someone can just purchase and then have your brain on a piece of paper or in an ebook or in a course or on a blog post or in an Instagram post or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's different things that are building trust there and marketing and there are different things there that are monetizing, right? Mm -hmm. But within all of that, I mean, I just knew... Without sounding ego-driven, I have known my whole life that I was meant to do something bigger than me, bigger than my small community that I grew up in. Um, And, you know, the interesting part is that even when I step into the place of doing those things and really taking up that space, I'm still brought back to my community Mm -hmm. and making a difference in, in that area as well as, you know, in this area as well as kind of on a greater scale. Um... But yeah, I mean, if you want to have a bigger impact, if you want to change more lives, if you want to affect more people, if you want to have, if you want to help move an industry forward, if you want to help move legislation forward, whatever it is, like you're going to have to go bigger than your personal physical reach. Yeah. And social media is a time. Yep. And social media is a tool to do that, but it's only a marketing tool. It is not a sales tool. Mm -hmm. And so you need to be able to find this space where you're able to step outside of that. And that was just me. I just wanted more. I wanted Mm -hmm. more. And I didn't, you know, having, having that client experience really spoke to what those next steps were for me. You know, if you're in a nutrition practice and you're mainly in the space of creating eBooks and things like that, I highly recommend actually, it almost feels like backtracking to some people, but doing some service-based work because the information that you're collecting with that service-based, with that in-person work or online, you know, that was me is, is going to speak to the kind of content that you put out because you're Mm -hmm. answering the questions that you get asked all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first thing, if you have a service-based business and you are trying to create a platform, like let's say a blog or a podcast or a, you know, growing your following on Instagram, whatever it is, the first task that you need to do aside from sharing who you are and your why is digging deeply into those frequently asked questions that you get. Mm-hmm. And that is how we started this podcast, you guys. Yep. <laughs> what are the questions that you get all the time? You know, for Jen, it was like, you know, people needing to heal their moisture barrier with their skin. Um, you know, for me, it was like gut skin connection. I had so many people with skin issues. It was um, digestion. It was so many of those things. And that fun- the foundation for this podcast was born out of us giving answers to those frequently asked questions because neither one of us had this massive direction for the podcast in the here's how I see it in a few years. Mm-hmm. We just were like, we need to just do. We, we need, we to, need do to, this to stop see where it goes. because I had been wanting to have a podcast for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I had given myself so many, again, it was, you know, bigger excuses and things like that. And this is one of those kind of big projects that I just had a hard time translating into small actionable steps. And that's where working with a coach can be extremely helpful. Um, okay. So getting back to the, the topic at hand, time management. Um, I love, I, man, you guys really lean into that idea of like energy grouping and energy management around mm-hmm. your business. I love, love, love that. Think about the things that drain you or, you know, even if they bring you tons of joy and you still want to do them and they're also draining, like what are the things that really take a lot of energy? Yeah. And then what are the things that are just not taking a lot of energy? Yeah. And, you know, batch those things together. And then the things that do take a lot of energy, give them their own kind of chunk of time or even a full day. I think one of the things scheduling wise that's been really revolutionary for me is actually like literally having one specific day a week that is a creative day and no one can friggin' touch it. 
Yeah, calling it a whole trade day. Man, it's like a sacred day. Mm-hmm. Every Wednesday, that. I'm like, don't even try. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so we, I have four other days for you to choose from. And, you know, setting that boundary with my beauty counter team has been really good. And, you know, that boundary was the boundary not existing only was a disservice to me, not to mm-hmm. them. Right. Yeah. So it's creating those boundaries around your time is really important, but giving a name to the things you want to do. I mean, you know, Mondays are like a full admin day. I'm literally re- responding to emails. I'm, um, I'm on calls all day. Same with Fridays. And those days are kind of, you know, sandwiched around the like chunky stuff in the middle which is content creation on like Tuesday through through Thursday and those are like for me personally and I think this probably is the case for other people too like a Tuesday through Thursday content creation is so much better for me because like Mondays you're just trying to like get out of the weekend get into the flow and it's very transitionary and Friday you're like it's almost the weekend transit I need to chill (laughs) yeah and even if you have you know maybe either you don't have kids or maybe like the work week you know, dynamic doesn't necessarily directly affect you. You still feel that like, Oh, it's the weekend. I'm going to take a couple of days off and, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy and stuff. And so it's nice to have that transition time. So I'm finding that works really well for me. It's not just, I originally I had tried to like have a, ch- a chunk of time on like writing for the blog, like every single day, dumbest idea I ever had did not work for me, <laughs> did not work for me at all. So Genevieve, one of the things that I know has been really revolutionary for you is figuring out how to use some external scheduling to get things on the schedule. And this was Mm -hmm. something I was pushing you to do for a long time. I'm like, your scheduling for skin consultation should be automated. (laughs) You shouldn't be spending that energy on that. No, 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 no. And I think a lot of times we get so we get so nervous about systems and like getting things in place and are worried about the learning curve with those things that we don't just step into a space of automating anything you can automate in your business. Oh my gosh. Especially if you have a service-based business, please do that. Someone should be able to schedule without talking to you at all. Period. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Even if they're brand new to your services, I will say that too. Yes. They should be able to schedule with you without even talking to you. For me, it was, it started out with, um, I didn't know how I have a lot of self-trust around it. I didn't think Mm -hmm. that I would be able to, and this is a retrospect thing, like, and you have to take a hard, long look at yourself to decide if this is the space you're in, because I didn't see this until I looked back on it and went, yeah, I just felt friction like behind uh, opening that up um, for a couple reasons. It was the the monthly cost for what it takes to be able to like set something automated made me uncomfortable um which is wow I could really dive into that psychologically but I felt I felt friction there I felt friction around opening my schedule and having a calendar where I had things blocked and um leaving it open like it made me really uncomfortable that I like what if I what if I set this up and it's too much like what if what if um, you know, I have a family emergency and I have to like reschedule a bunch of people. That makes me really uncomfortable. Like there's just a lot of like mindset things that I had to get my head around. And so of course I did it the hard way. And at first I, I automated it to where I was comfortable, where people had to basically, um, reach out to me and I just sent them a copy and paste, like, here's how you schedule with me. And, um, I was worried about, losing people like I just didn't quite understand about I was worried that somebody would schedule and not pay like I just I didn't have like the the system set up and I truth be told guys I really thought that 
I didn't have a lot of um, self-esteem around what I was bringing to the market when I first Mm. started doing skin consultations. And I thought, I'm going to open this up because I know there's people that want to do this with me. And in six months time, it's going to be gone. And I don't want to put the energy into marketing more to get more skin consultations scheduled. So I looked at that as a flash in the pan. Whoa, was I wrong. It was not a flash in the pan. It was a snowball (laughs) that, you know, and well, it's something that your market really showed you that they wanted and needed. Yeah. And it's blown me away in the best way. Like it's just when I thank people at the end of phone calls for their, their time and their trust, I mean it like it really means Mm. a lot to me, but it's, it's also once it took me a full calendar year to trust that I knew what I was doing (laughs) Because I take people's money very seriously. When somebody gives me money, I'm like, I'm yeah. all, like I take this really seriously. But when I set it up, it was it was now I have an an online way to take somebody's payment. I have an automated scheduling on Calendly. I have an automated skin questionnaire that they have to take um, before they can get on my schedule. And um, and I have an I'm very clear about my boundaries about what I can and can't do in email communication. Those were all those things that were giving me so much anxiety <laughs> that it took me a year of being like, gosh, this is super draining because I would didn't want to forget that somebody reached out because it would come in bursts. Like I would get a ton of people reaching out to me and then I'd have to time block and stop and respond to all of them without a schedule with me. And I was just like, it took me way too long. Like I wish I would have done it six months earlier, maybe from the beginning, but I, I needed to go through that to like learn. This is why we're giving you guys the lessons from our yeah. businesses. Yes. You know, one of the things that you said within that was like having that payment set up, you know, in conjunction with the scheduling. And this is why I like Acuity from a practical perspective, you guys, Acuity and Calendly. Calendly mm-hmm. is actually my favorite. Calendly is awesome. Um, I like the, I think the platform is just a little bit simpler, which I really like. Acuity has some integrations that are better fit for some industries and Mm -hmm. Calendly doesn't necessarily have those. It's a little simpler. It's kind of like using like Squarespace versus WordPress. Like it's just a different beast. Mm -hmm. Um, And you guys, can I just, if you're doing a service-based business and people are scheduling with you, they better damn well have paid in full before they hop on your schedule. Amen. They do not, they do not brace your calendar. (laughs) And here, I mean, again, I know this is like in the psychology of pricing and everything, but you should never have a transference of money directly between you and your client. Like you have that conversation up front. You say, this is what I'm worth. This is what I charge. This is how it goes. You set that boundary, you make that decision, and then they either respect it and pay you or they don't. And when you set up this system where you have to chase someone down for money, Mm-mm. like that is going to, I mean, obviously like from an energy perspective, it's not worth it, but then you are having to jump into like money mindset issues, like someone else's schedule, timing issues, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And mm-hmm. so if you're doing something that's recurring, it needs to be an automatic withdrawal. It is worth the money to use a service to take an automatic withdrawal from someone's account once they sign up with, you know, like a package with you or something like that. Um, I did packages where someone paid um, a chunk to get in my door for the first time. Hmm. And then this was the monthly that they were paying me. And that worked really well for me because it was like, here are the monthly services. This is what I offer for this monthly service. But I didn't get there till like almost before I closed my one-on-one nutrition practice. That makes a lot of sense though. So when we talk about pricing, I will talk a little bit more nuanced about, you know, my journey with pricing my services and how I adjusted, how I build people. 
But you guys, someone should be paying you for your service before they sign up with you or at least a deposit to hold their spot. And, and please, because not not a pity deposit like that. That was a no, huge lesson. A, a deposit of like, you just took up a chunk of my time. I yes. cannot schedule someone else now during this time. Mm-hmm. If they don't show, you are keeping that deposit. You are not giving it back. Like, and that, that's a boundary huge. there. And that has and to that has it. to be there. Yeah, and it has to be there because there's a, a an energy exchange between someone giving you money, even if you haven't talked. They take it more seriously, and they will they will take it to a place of like I'm going to protect that time. I'm going to like you know because I put down a deposit. You know, and you're getting a different kind of customer and a different kind of energy exchange between you two when they take it seriously, mm-hmm. and that you've made that space you've already decided to take it seriously and you need your customer to take that kind of energy exchange with you as well for Mm -hmm. this to work (laughs) you know yes 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 oh my gosh Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yes oh oh my gosh so I mean the other thing that I wanted to touch on just really briefly when it comes to scheduling is um and like honestly just going through conceptual like how do you time block where do you put your tasks for the week like have a time for brain dumping every single week and giving yourself the time and the space to just like literally regurgitate. If you guys don't know what brain dumping is, you're literally just writing down everything that's on your mind. Stream Personal, of consciousness. Stream of consciousness mm-hmm. kind of style. And you are not categorizing anything. You're not like, oh, this is my podcast and this is my book and this is my, you know, service space, but whatever it is. Like just create a time each week or a couple times a week to just regurgitate everything that's on your mind because what you're holding in there is hindering your productivity in a huge way. Yes, yes, And yes. so take the time to brain dump and then after you've brain dumped, take some time to decide what is time sensitive what needs to be done like right away? What are those kind of tasks that are helping you build over time? Like, you know, chipping away at the ebook, chipping away at the cookbook, chipping away at the blog post. Maybe that's a, you know, a backend thing. Getting your website set up, that's a backend thing. Um, and, and maybe that's time sensitive because you don't have one yet or whatever it is. So I, there's so much of that. And, and what's time sensitive for you is just going to be different, right? Than for other people. Yeah. And this is something we do a lot with our beauty counter team is like, mm-hmm. there's so, there's always something to do. And this is something Josh and I have joked about our whole marriage because of who I am. And that is, there is literally always something to do. There is, there is no stopping point. And when you have an entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. mindset, there's literally always something to do in your business. And so, you know, obviously in a future episode, we're going to talk more about boundaries with that and, Mm -hmm. you know, really creating some space around, you know, there's all sorts of, all sorts of details there. But as an entrepreneur, there's always going to be more to do. There's always going to be more that you want. Never ending. It is never ending. The work is never ending. And so what you're going to need to do is find a flow for yourself where you are divvying up those tasks on your brain dump throughout the week. And when you're done with those, you're done. Like, and if you've walk got away. time in your work day, walk away or like work on something that's like a project that you're building over time. If you have an extra pocket of time that's still kind of dedicated to work and you've got your other stuff done. But man, I used to think my to-do list each day in my business needed to be like a freaking mile long. You guys, my to-do list is three things. Yeah, I feel you. Sometimes three mine's one. Three things a day. <laughs> I use the full focus planner to do 
all of my brain dumping and scheduling for the week. I mean, obviously, I'm a human of this day and age. I use Google Calendar. You know, my inbox, yeah. my email inbox informs what I do in my, my schedule. I have my like coaching call schedule. All of that is automated. But I find when I take the time away from computer to decide how my energy is feeling all of that throughout the week like it's so important for me and I I'm such a I'm a paper and pen person it actually took me a really Same. long time to lean into uh like electronic systems in my business mm. I initially didn't have I had paper and planner scheduling with my clients initially when I was doing nutrition and again went through that same process where I was like nope this should be automated um yeah had a lot of anxiety <laughs> around other people kind of slipping into my schedule and things like that um mm-hmm. but so I ha- you know I have my standard things that I you know I have you know my my beauty counter team is scheduling calls with me we have calls where I'm hosting them that's in my schedule I have my own business coach that I meet with I have time blocked out for blogging and admin work and all sorts of things I'm taking phone calls with people who I'm trying to collaborate with like there's a lot of things happening and mm-hmm. obviously all of that has to be electronic but when it comes to how I'm going to prioritize my time in what I need to do for my task list, like I have to take that off of the computer. And that's been Mm -hmm. so helpful for me. And so what I use is a full focus planner, like I mentioned, and I like it because there's like a weekly preview and that's kind of where I do my brain dump. I don't really follow the rubric of the weekly preview because it like walks you through a system. If you're unsure of where to get started, you could totally start with what they set up. But I love Mm -hmm. that the planner has two full pages for every single day. So there's like Mm -hmm. your schedule and then your prioritization, like your task list. And there's only space for the big three. You have like three big tasks that you're allowed to accomplish each day and big or small, it doesn't matter. But to you, they're they're big in proportion and Mm -hmm. they're your top priorities for the day. And then you have a... I like to view it as priorities. Yeah. And then you have a note section too. So Mm -hmm. you're able to like jot down any notes throughout the day. Um, and I tend to have like a working brain dump. So I sometimes brain dump on my computer too, but it just Mm -hmm. depends. I often transfer whatever I'm brain dumping on my computer to my planner for the week. And I just kind of go back. Is that Evernote? I use Evernote. Yeah. I really, really like Evernote. Um, there's more organizational capabilities than there are for like the notes app for my Mac devices. So I like that it transfers from to device to device you know mm-hmm. like it's it's not just stuck on my phone it's like I can go to a computer I can heck I could log into my mom's computer and like get into it and look at it from there I just like the cloud aspect of that yeah I do too I'm that very fluidity. much the same way fluidity between mm-hmm. platforms is really nice so I brain dump on paper <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much the same way like I and I have the full focus planner because you gifted it to me and I do love it I've had to step out of it as I've tried to like find my footing again because yeah. I just stepped into it and when I think the planners, world changed. <laughs> I think planners and planning techniques are so personal too. Like when I think mm-hmm. in the, everyone's note, when I sent that out to them, I was like, hey, just so you know, I know this may or may not work for you. <laughs> if this feels right, use it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting about what that flow taught me was that I was viewing tasks as what I should get done or what would, what should make me closer to finishing other bigger tasks and things like that instead of viewing them as energy output and you know even though something only takes me 10 minutes of time if it energetically frees me up it gets a top priority most of the time like if I'm like 
Yeah, energetically. if it's something that if you get it off your plate, you're going to feel so much better. Even yeah. if it takes me 10 minutes. Yeah, even if it doesn't really bring me closer to said large project. I've, I've just noticed because I don't know if it's because I'm an Enneagram 2 or I'm still trying to figure out why I feel <laughs> this way. But I'm like, <laughs> I really do love I'm an Enneagram 2 obliger if you're into the Gretchen Rubin work as well. And I really do love supporting things that are not just me. Like, I really love supporting um, community. And a lot of times community isn't necessarily bringing me closer to that big elephant project that I'm chipping away at. But um, when I step away from things that feel collaborative or energetically good, I feel disconnected and it doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't, I don't feel like I'm being myself. I feel like I'm leaning too hard into um, something that's very black and white task driven and that just doesn't feel good to me. Like mm. it doesn't, it feels, I can go to that space if I need to, but on a regular basis, as far as like a workflow goes, it feels super restrictive. It doesn't feel, um, f- I don't feel flow in that area at all. And so I have to view things that I'm um, getting done in the day because I tended to poo-poo the things that were, um, didn't seem quote unquote important. It's like, if I, if I can put it into perspective, um, making time to brain dump energetically energizes me, but I wasn't giving the time that it took to put, to sit down. Cause you got, you guys, you can't effectively brain dump if you're like eating and managing kids and, um, writing a grocery list at the same time. And also like, um, cooking for the week. Well, so here's the you thing, can't though. do that at the same time. If you are a food blogger or you do any sort of recipe development, you are creating a grocery list while you brain dump. <laughs> well, that's probably part of your brain dump. Because yeah, I'm like, oh, sense. I need to do this. Yeah. So I, I think also just giving the permission, and this is like just a like I disagree on that point a little bit. Like the point mm. of a brain dump is to get everything out of your brain. So if getting celery at the grocery store is on your brain, then you need to put that down because oh no it, I totally agree with then that it leaves the space it's, but yes it's not like you're trying to multitask there's no multitasking happening that's kind of the point time. I meant yeah, yeah 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 and if it feels because a brain dump should be um unjudgmental period Ooh, it's yeah. just if the word Ooh. comes in your head it comes out on the paper that's what I've had to give myself the space for and I've noticed that if I do it for 10 minutes that's it literally guys 10 minutes but unobstructed un nobody's getting in my business it's like I need you know there's no tv on there's no music on there's no um there's if somebody asks me a question fine but they literally I'm like I'm not moving from this space I'm this is my meditative spot (laughs) like I have to put some really firm boundaries around it I feel so energized I feel ready for the day for that but it only there's no like end game with brain dumps it's not like I'm creating a task list for the day because it's not what a brain dumps for mm-hmm. I'm not creating a list that is going to somehow turn into an ebook someday like I'm you know like there's no end game with brain dumps as far as that goes and I wasn't giving it the space because I didn't quite understand how that would fit for me until I started doing it and that's kind of what I mean like I if, if a brain dump needs to be a part of my top three things that need to happen that day, so be it, even if it only takes 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And even if I have to put incredibly firm boundaries around it, you know, of everyone in my life and I'm turning off my phone and I'm like, you know, <laughs> it it makes the most energetic sense for me to do that. I love, love, love that. And I think, I mean, 
brain dumping feels like such a like a task oriented thing to some I think for it can be really like spiritually uplifting like you said like that Mm -hmm. boosts your energy because you're like okay this is I've just let this go like it's almost you know it's almost like journaling but practical journaling (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is totally up my alley by the way (laughs) yeah but but you also don't have to think about sentence structure if you like writing and you appreciate good Mm -hmm. writing and grammar that's not on your brain it's literally just yeah and and (laughs) and what what i'll end with today you guys this this lessons from running a service-based business we've we've leaned into it being a two-parter we've decided that throughout the course of this conversation (laughs) and um and i'm i'm here for it i'm excited i wish Mm -hmm. i wish this is everything i wish i had known or at least all i can think of right now that i wish i had known (laughs) i'm sure there's more but um you know the thing that that was hard for me when i was originally kind of leaning into chipping away at these bigger tasks and really getting some stuff done in the blogging side of my business and understanding what that workflow looks like for me personally, where my energy lies, all of that. I was merely just creating time where I was like, oh, this is writing time for the blog and I'm going to block that out and then I'm going to do it. No, 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 no. Like you can't just do that. You have to tell yourself what you're going to do specifically during that time. And that's what that brain dump thing will do for you. It'll be like, okay, yes, you know, you know what you've blocked out for the week. That's your time blocking that you've done, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's day by day blocking or it's, you know, you know, chunks of time in the morning versus the afternoon or around nap time with the kids, whatever it is. But, you know, you have that time blocking set out and then you take all of the brain dump that you had and prioritize it based on those categories throughout the week, depending on what you need to be working on each day. And then that two, three hour chunk, that one hour chunk, whatever you have to work on, it's laid out exactly what you need to do rather than being like, this is my time to work on my blog. Now what do I do? Oh, I'm going to get distracted fixing something on my website instead of doing the writing I need to do. Oh, I'm going to go answer these Voxer messages from my beauty counter team instead of doing the writing I need to do. Like this is so relate to this. Oh, I think, I mean, we all kind of can. And so I just want to encourage you guys, like it's still a process for me, you know, and, and the key is, is going back to that consistency piece with all of these actions and just really showing up in your business, but you have to show up for yourself first and really focus in on like, what do you want to offer the world? Uh, how do you facilitate that with the services that you offer? How do you price them in order to get the right client in the door? Like there, it's it's a big thing. This is a big thing to have mm-hmm. a business, to have a service-based business. And so I hope that some of those little tidbits we've shared so far have been helpful. But this is part one. We're going to wrap part one. And you guys can catch part two next week. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes and we'll catch you guys on the next episode.